Hi, welcome to the Power for Good podcast. I'm your host, Christina Ray Almeida, entrepreneur, environmental advocate, somatic healer, life coach, and really just a grateful part of this beautiful planet. I'm also a former alcoholic and addict, and I'm here to ask some really hard questions while diving deep and discovering how influential people are using their power for good or not. What happens when someone goes through an awakening? Can people really change? How and why? Let's explore. Hello, loves. It's Christina Ray. Welcome back to the Power for Good podcast, a place where we discuss how influential people are using their power for good or not. Today's guest is an absolutely powerful woman, a leader, and an inspiration. She is living, breathing embodiment of power for good. Christine Guiteres is a Latina licensed psychotherapist, life coach, and expert in love addiction, trauma, and self esteem. She's also the author of the book I Am Diosa A Journey to Healing Deep, Loving Yourself, and Coming Back Home to Soul. Through her work, Christine offers group coaching corporate wellness, transformational retreats, and soul-based business mentorship. Christine is the founder of the Diosa Hood, a global community where like-hearted women gather to heal, inspire one another, and collaborate. Christine combines modern, psychologically savvy advice with ancient wisdom from her training in shamanism, tantra, and meditation. On today's podcast, Christine shares on the many awakenings in her life that have led her to be a leader in the female empowerment and drops some major wisdom. She takes us through just how she's using her power for good. Let's jump in. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm so excited today because I have Christine Guiteres here with us, a Latina, a licensed psychotherapist and a life coach and a new friend of mine. Christine how are you today? Are you awake? <laughs> I am today excited for being here and exhausted simultaneously as a new mama. <laughs> so navigating it all. Yay. The yeah. new mama. Yeah. It's <laughs> beautiful. So, well, I would love for you to just introduce yourself in your own words and tell me who's Christine today. Yeah. So I am a mom to a beautiful baby girl named Madeluz. I am a wife mm-hmm. to beautiful soul man, um, Fernando Semalot. And I am a woman on a mission to help as many women as possible, mostly Latina women and women of color, but all women, all souls that are guided to me to remember their worth in whatever ways that looks like. So worthiness of leaving toxic relationships, worthiness of owning their sole purpose to birth their business to the world, but holding space for transformation and empowerment. Mm. Beautiful. Well, I feel that from you and from the first moment we talked, such a such a power and such a beautiful mission that you that you have through all your platforms and, and your business. So honored to have you here with me today and to dive into some platicas del alma, as you call them, some soul chats. Yeah. So welcome to our soul chat. <laughs> um, and let's get started. What does it mean to be a diosa? What is Yosa Hood? Can you talk a little bit about the importance of healing through community and sisterhood? Yeah, so Yosa is the Spanish word for goddess, for those that don't know. 
Um, and for me, uh, the energy of the goddess, La Diosa, came into my life in my 20s. And I was studying Tantra. I was studying meditation. I was in my master's program. And I came across this Mexican woman who was a, uh, a lawyer turned Tantra teacher who uh, initiated me into the priestess path. And I learned all about the different archetypes of the goddess. And having grown up Catholic, I didn't know or understand the divine face of the feminine until I was introduced to the goddess, La Diosa. And when I found um, this path, I realized that there was something I was always missing. I, I, I knew it instinctually and intuitively, but I didn't have a name for it. And so I was really drawn to it. And it really allowed me through the sisterhood that I met through her and also through the teachings to reclaim my worth and my divinity. And so through that process that first happened within myself, I knew that I had to share um, that with other women because at the time it wasn't as common. It wasn't um, found uh, now it's quite the trend and, um, and, and we see it more, but at the time it was very new and, um, new, but old, right. Cause this is very ancestral, but, uh, mm-hmm. in the, especially in the La- Latino community, it wasn't mainstream. And so I knew that I wanted to bring these teachings to my people and to my community. And the Diosa hood is exactly that. It's a community of like-hearted sisters that gather to inspire each other, to hold space for each other's tears, to hold space for each other's stories so that we know that we're not alone and that we are in this together. And, um, and you know, for me, that, that's what saved my butt was knowing that, that we're not <laughs> alone and that we can share everything that's going on because it really is soul medicine. Mm, yeah, I definitely can relate to that. I think the fact of coming together in community and whatever that shape looks like for you is so important. I think when I was in the, in the depth of, of my addiction was, you know, the moment where I felt most alone and a big, a big part of my healing has been community. Does Diosa apply to only women or does it apply to all genders? Yeah. Diosa is for all genders because we all have a feminine and a masculine and we're used to certain pronouns to mean, you know, very strict identities, but it's actually, um, goes beyond language, right? It's the, the energy of the feminine lives um, in everything, in the trees, in the earth, in men, women, in people that identify as non-binary. Um, La Diosa belongs to all people. And it's about this mother earth kind of energy. It's about the divine mother that, that carries us all. So we can all tap into the power and the energy of this feminine and this great mother. And listen to the wisdom that she has for us. So I grew up in Mexico up until I was six. And then uh, my, my father was Mexican. And even when we moved to Texas, I was still going to a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. And obviously I've, I've grown up to have my own form of spirituality, but how did you feel, I guess, developing your own, Diosahood coming from Catholicism, was that transition and shift difficult or, or strange? I was always, as a kid, very connected to spirituality. Um, and I always was um, a rebel when it came to um, knowing that certain things just didn't land right for me. So for example, I grew up also Catholic, just like you. 
Um, uh, you know, I went to Catholic school my whole life. Even my undergraduate um, at Fordham was a Jesuit school. Um, and I always liked the ritual of spirituality and connecting to something bigger, but I would oftentimes, um, you know, push back at school and say, well, if, what if someone doesn't know Jesus and they were born in another country? Like, does that mean that they go to hell? I was very aware of the fact that, that, um, God or spirit could mean different things to different people. And from a very early age, I owned that. And I felt very unapologetic about fighting and standing up for that. Um, I even got in trouble for it in school. And um, I also was very upset by the fact that there was only altar boys and not altar girls at the time <laughs> in church. And I was upset that there was all, you know, our father all the time. And I remember um, I went on like a, a strike in my bedroom where I said, you know, I'm only going to do Hail Marys from now on. And I refused to no one else. No one knew I was doing this strike, <laughs> just me. I was very angry. And I remember... Um, being like, I'm only going to do Hail Marys and I would only do Hail Marys because I wanted to give love to the women. And I fought in my school, in my in St. Aloysius for there to be, you know, uh, a fair treatment for girls to be able to also be altar girls, even though I didn't want to be an altar girl. I just wanted them to be able to do it. Right. So I had mm -hmm. this revolutionary kind of like attitude <laughs> as a young girl. And um, I, it was easy for me because I never trusted that that was the only way. Um, and I had parents that, although they were uh, spiritual and went to church, were very open-minded and accepting of all people. And so I think that that helped. That's one thing that they really got right. And they let me be me. So um, mm -hmm. it was effortless for me to, to trust and flow and, and find these different teachings that, that felt like home to me. Mm. That's beautiful. So I feel that you've with kind of pioneered a space really in spirituality, which is absolutely amazing. I think I, I can really relate to that as well. Growing up, I don't know if it has to do with the Mexican culture, I guess the, the machismo culture, but I always felt a little bit rebellious myself as well. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, but I think coming to the United States, I felt, um, you know, a moment of, of a little bit more, more freedom here. Um, you know, seeing that there was opportunity, I guess, more opportunity here to, for, for women or, or, you know, being something else, starting your own business. Um, eventually, did you feel like, like there was more, um, you know, moving? I know you spent time living in New York, um, and in the United States, when did you move to the U S actually? And did you feel, what did you feel, I guess, in that transition? So I grew up in New York. I'm New Yorkan. I grew up in Brooklyn, um, lived in Queens my entire life. And then I, when I was finishing my master's in 2010, 2011, around that time, mm -hmm. I moved to Puerto Rico for the first time. And that was when I, I felt I, I was intuitively guided to go to Puerto Rico to connect my roots and to be in the sunshine, to heal. My body was going through some weird things at the time and I knew I needed to be um, there and that I would be better. Um, and I was, and so that was the first time coming to like my homeland because my, my ancestors, my family from both sides, maternal and paternal are from Puerto Rico. And then I lived here for a few years and then I went back to New York and then now I'm living here again with my husband and my baby was born here. And so the transition was more for me, um, into just returning to my roots 
even deeper in a way that my parents haven't because my fam, my mom and my dad didn't even live in Puerto Rico. So it's like I'm returning back into, you know, tapping into what it means to be Boricua, to be Puerto Rican and actually live here. And I guess that's what my spirit wanted, right? That's what, mm-hmm. that was something, um, I call it like cultural um, confidence is really claiming my culture to a deeper level. And I think that that really helped me to come home to myself in deeper ways than than just living in New York. And, you know, I have the ocean in front of me and the waves and, mm. you know, there's medicine in this land and there's culture and um, memories that are, that come alive by just living here and breathing here and doing the work here. So all of my mm. retreats for the past now, you know, going on 11 years have been the Viosa retreat every year in Puerto Rico. And there's something about that. There's something about, um, you know, the medicine that comes from our, from our ancestry and the wisdom that comes from our ancestors. And so uh, that has been huge for me. And I'm grateful that I get to live here. And um, I, we own a house here now in Puerto Rico as well. And so uh, we, we will, this will always be a home base of some kind, no, no matter where we are in the world. And so I'm really, I'm really grateful that, I, that I've come back here for now. So I know you mentioned your ancestors, ancient rituals. Can you explain that a little bit further? How does that uh, work into to Diosahood and, and all of the work that you do now? Yeah, I think that no matter what culture we have, um, we have ancestors, some good ones and some uh, not so good ones, right? And I always say connecting to the ancestors of the highest truth, the ones that are loving, the ones that are you know there to have your back. But there's wisdom and there's memories there. And, and for me, what that looks like is connecting to my grandmother that's passed away, connecting to my grandfather that's passed away, connecting to my dreams, connecting to... Um, hold on, I have a loud... They're doing leaf blowing. <laughs> um, connecting to <laughs> the, the power of, of what they've taught me, like my grandmother teaching me about the power of my dreams. And being able to share our dreams to one another when we have dreams so that we can unravel them together. And these are ancestral practices that, that came from my grandparents. Or when I found out that my grandfather from my mother's side would light candles for lost souls that didn't have mm-hmm. families to pray for them. And I said, holy shit, that makes so much sense because I've always been drawn to helping those mm-hmm. that have lost themselves. And so there's this connection, right? To my my grandparents and their spiritual connection and how I'm now able to carry on some of those teachings in the work that I do. Um, and so really being able to um, to learn from our roots, I think is really important for um, owning our, our spiritual medicine. Mm-hmm. And another thing that you mentioned, actually, I'm actually, I started listening to your audiobook of uh, awesome. I Am Diosa. Yeah, I absolutely love it. So every time I'm in the car, I've been enjoying it, working out <laughs> every time I can. Um, but I, it's something that you just mentioned again, actually, when you say coming back home to you. And I know it's a phrase that you use often. What does this mean exactly? For me, coming back home to you means reclaiming those soul, soul pieces that maybe you've lost because of trauma, because of pain, because of addiction, because of abandoning yourself and reclaiming those pieces of yourself means diving into 
the spaces within you that you've lost and giving yourself love until they reemerge, right? And until you repair those pieces. And it can mean finally feeling safe within yourself. It can mean finally feeling at home where you don't have to run away anymore. It can mean loving yourself. It can mean having your soul intact and feeling that you're guided by something greater than you. Um, but essentially, the why I stress that so much is because we know what it feels like to feel um, far away from ourselves, And we know what it feels like when we finally feel at peace within ourselves. And And it's important that as we go through life, we ask ourselves, you know, am I feeling close to myself? Am I feeling that I'm betraying myself? Or am I feeling that I'm living in alignment with myself? What can I do to reclaim those pieces of me that that have been lost because I've broken promises to myself or because someone has betrayed me or hurt me or violated me from the greatest Mm -hmm. traumas to the smallest traumas, um, you know, doing our work to to gain back that 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 light to gain back those soul and in the shamanic path this is called you know soul retrieval and this is some of the work that I do with my clients is essentially helping them bring back their soul to the moments in their bodies where they've lost it where where a trauma has occurred soul retrieval i love that <laughs> so yes i know you do retreats once a year for a long time i really isolated myself actually and i guess maybe when i was at the height of my addiction um, you know, alcohol and all the other things that, that came into my life, the toxic people, the toxic relationships. Um, and I felt so, so alone. And as I mentioned, I think community was a big part of my healing. And I think community is a big part of, of what you do as well with these retreats. How else do, um, how important do you think community is and how has it aided you on your journey? Yeah, we don't heal alone. We heal in community. And um, you need support in order to go through this life. You know, this is not meant to be a solo journey. There's moments where you have to go internal and be alone, of course, right? But we're meant to do things as community. That's just the way it works. And we learn through our relationships. And so we're meant to be held um, through different processes, especially as we are giving birth to different parts of ourselves. Um, and so just the same way we have midwives, um, help us give birth to our babies. Um, We need midwives to help us give birth to ourselves as we are learning and healing. And so for me, community is everything. Um, Everything that I've achieved has been through community, whether it's the community of one person or three people or two people or a thousand people, but um, it is a necessary part of the process Um, and finding trusted people that feel safe so that you can understand what it feels like to be loved and held. And whether that's, you know, going to AA for support or going to group therapy or finding a trusted therapist or finding the Diosahood or finding whatever floats your boat, but feeling something that feels good for you. Everyone's going to have different things that feel good for them. So it's important that you use your intuition to guide you to what feels safe for you. And I know that you are sober, correct? Yes. And that's been part of your journey. How did yeah. you arrive to, to that decision and why? Um, I guess fucking up so many times over and over again <laughs> and alcohol was involved every time that I was like, oh my God, this is, I didn't even think this was a problem. I knew I was a codependent. I knew I was a love addict. I had resonated with so many different things, but to, I never considered alcohol. Um, and then I mm-hmm. started to think, wait a minute, so many times I start drinking, I can't stop drinking. And so many times I act out sexually or do something that I regret, there's alcohol involved. And then my mm-hmm. intuition started speaking up. Maybe you have a problem with alcohol. 
And then I had an ex-boyfriend that told me, I think you have a problem with alcohol. And then, you know, little pieces <laughs> started coming together. I was yeah. like, wait a minute. I think I have a fucking problem with alcohol. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, duh, <laughs> right? Um, and so I remember that. And I tried everything at first. And I tried, you know, cutting down and, you know, all the things that they say. Mm-hmm. Um, I did them. I tried drinking only when I was happy, drinking only when I was inside, drinking only beer, drinking only wine. Um, and none of it worked. And inevitably what would happen is on any given day, I couldn't really trust myself because the moment my lips touch alcohol, I turn into a different person, a person that mm-hmm. I didn't like, a person that would act out and put me in harmful situations, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, sexually, um, and embarrassed. And I was like, this is just not fucking cute anymore. Do I want to be the kind of person that I, I know my soul has in store for me? Because I was already teaching this work. Or do I want to keep acting out of alignment with this part of me that's causing destruction. I didn't resonate with the word alcoholic at first. I do now, but I didn't at the time. And I didn't have to because I had a mentor, Terry Cole, that told me, you know, is your life better without it? And the answer was a simple yes. And so Mm -hmm. my spirit led me to AA and that was the path for me. doesn't have to be your path, you know, but that was what was right for me. And I walked in that door, I raised my hand, I said, I'm an alcoholic. And I felt a ton of bricks come off my shoulders. And I felt a deep peace in my soul. And I said, this is where I need to be. And, you know, from that day, thank God, I've been sober, you know, as they say, one day at a time, with Mm -hmm. community, with love, my relationship to AA continues to transform. I have a unique, you know, I don't play everything by the book. But I love it. And it's been a huge part of my personal road to recovery. And along with therapy, along with my diosahood, along with spiritual (laughs) community, along with all the things. But um, it is by far one of the greatest things I've done for everything in my life to get better. By far. Who am I? There comes a point in our lives where we find ourselves asking this question where we find ourselves feeling a bit lost as we realize that there has to be more to life and there has to be more to me. Well, guess what? There is. You are stronger and more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And I'm hosting a retreat to guide you, along with a group of like-minded women on your journeys to discovering your most powerful and genuine selves. Through yoga, meditation, breathwork, ecstatic dance, connecting to nature, and most importantly, sisterhood, we will step unapologetically into our most powerful and primal selves. Use this exclusive discount code, power for good, all one word, at checkout on our website, primalawakening.com, and receive 15% off if you sign up today. Join us for four nights at an eco luxury retreat center in Florida along the San Sebastian River. October 12th through 16th for the first ever All Women Primal Awakening Retreat and an experience you will never forget. And remember, together we heal. I'll see you there. I feel like the word alcoholic has a really negative stigma. Like it has a stigma of, I don't know. I, I think for me, I had a big resistance to, but my mom told me I was an alcoholic since the first time she saw me drink when I was like 15 or maybe I was just like 12. So I think I had, you know, I thought she was crazy. Um, so it took me a long time to accept mm-hmm. that, that I was an alcoholic. Um, but 
But yeah, I mean, I used to think an alcoholic meant that you literally couldn't go a day without alcohol, that it was, you know, you were drinking vodka every day. And um, I think people don't understand that, you know, an alcoholic doesn't necessarily mean that. It's just literally, you know, the alcohol is it causing, if, it, if it's caused you negative consequences and you just continue to use it, right? That's right. So, and if you um, don't resonate with the word alcoholic, then don't use it you know, and exactly. if you want to just change your relationship to alcohol, then change it. If you keep trying to change it and it doesn't work, then you have to consider other things depending on the severity of it. Right. Um, maybe some people need to go to detox. Some people don't. It, every path is different, but I would ask anyone that's listening to this, if it resonates with you, or if you felt an intuition that says, I need to change my relationship to alcohol, or I need to change my relationship to you know, love or whatever it is that your intuition is guiding you to, to listen, because those are cues from your soul to help you bring you to your highest destiny path. And when you don't listen, you're off your highest destiny path. And when you listen, you become in alignment and things and doors start to open up. So the road is not easy, but it's always worth it when we listen mm -hmm. to our, to our intuition. It is. And I've never met one person who has quit drinking and regrets it. No, not one person that I <laughs> not one person no your life if your life gets better because you took something out then that's a good sign exactly so I know you mentioned um love addiction can we talk about love addiction and how does it what, what exactly does it mean to be addicted to love and how do we remedy it how many how do we remedy to this and what role did it play in your life um love addiction just like any addiction is you know, becoming addicted to a person and using it to fulfill some kind of void inside of you, right? And going back often to toxic relationships that you know are not good for you, even though you know they're not good for you because you're lonely or because you need that comfort, you're looking for it like a drug, right? And you keep going back and you feel helpless and, and powerless, just like you do with alcohol. And so... um for me, I, you know, I mean, I used various things, but that was definitely one of the main ones that I had used. And it wasn't until I became aware of that, that I had to really look to learning to love myself and date myself and, and do the healing work around becoming my own um, lover and becoming my own beloved. And, and really knowing that until I did that, there was nothing on the outside that was going to be, um, feel good. It wasn't going to feel good. And so, uh, Many people are codependent uh, and are you know, looking for love on the outside without looking for love first within. And I think it's important that we just navigate and, and notice if there's an unhealthy attachment to anything or an obsession and, and a freaking out anxiety around anything, then it's probably something that we need to heal. Because hmm. true love doesn't feel like that. It, it feels steady and easy and um, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have attachment issues and healthy love, but it means that you're not going to be going back to something in an obsessive way in a response to uh, filling up a void. You mm. want to fill up the void um, within yourself so that you can cultivate healthy love. And it's a process. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely experienced that as well. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. I think... I think, you know, toxic relationships or even love addiction, I guess, is another way to even say that, um, as you said, is looking to the external world to fill our internal world. 
Yeah. So that's what definitely what it looked like for me. Um, so for a long time, I think I was trying to, well, I thought I was, was helping people. So I, I see, I seeked out, you know, men that needed help essentially, um, and became obsessed with them and helping them. And that's what I thought I was doing. Oh, yeah. And in reality, I just got taken advantage of. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you're not alone. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, I think that's, of, that happens a lot to a lot of, of women. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, <laughs> yeah. in an attempt to save people, we gain self-esteem in a way mm-hmm. and feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something, helping someone, but not at the cost of ourselves. And so, you know, um, giving is not a, a negative quality, but it's one that needs to be done um, in a healthy way, right? And true giving to others means that we're taking care of ourselves. And when that becomes yeah. off balance, then it's not something that's actually going to help the person. It enables them and it's not going to help ourselves either. So I think that, you know, so many women struggle with that and, and so many people in general, uh, men too, um, anyone that is overgiving in some way. And so yeah. knowing that and, and beginning that relationship to just repairing, learning how to do relationships better, it's going to be, um, you know, a journey of a lifetime and there's different layers of it, but it's so beautiful to start the work because it, it is so much, there's so much freedom on the other side of finally knowing that your peace comes from within and that, that divinity, um, is your source of connection. And when you find that your higher self or God, whatever you want to call it, then you feel more secure in yourself and you feel safe and you're not looking for all these mm-hmm. things to fill you because you just feel full. And that has been the biggest gift of a lifetime. At least I can speak for myself to know that I'm free from, from yeah. all of those things that I, that I'm good with me and that I don't need anything or anyone on the outside. They just add to my life. My husband, mm-hmm. my, my best friends, like they're, um, I'm grateful for all the things I have, but they now come from a place of like, I'm good with me. So I'm great that you're there. (laughs) Yeah. Compliments to your life rather than necessities. Exactly. And I need them in certain ways, but not from a desperate, um, Mm -hmm. uh, lack of self-love kind of place. Yeah. It seems like you have a beautiful relationship with your husband. Yeah. We have a beautiful, Uh, intense, um, constantly, looking at our shadows, constantly doing the work, Mm. really committed. You know, there's a meme that goes around. that's like for every conscious, beautiful, happy couple, there's all the work that you don't see, like all the difficult conversations, all the triggers, all the things that you can't possibly show on social media, all the moments where you have to confront someone because they're your mirror. So there's all of that. But what I will say is that I am with a really deeply devoted partner who constantly chooses to do the work in our relationship and continuously says, I'm choosing you. Let's do this. Let's work through this. Let's figure out this. Let's get better together. And individually does his work. Mm-hmm. So I am with a, you know, a partner that, that is aware and conscious. And so I think that that makes all the difference. You can't do this work alone. A lot of women yeah. are like, okay, I'm going to do the work for you. No, your partner yeah. has to do the work too. Um, regardless mm-hmm. of what kind of relationship you're in, you know, whether you're with a woman, with a man, it doesn't matter in a romantic relationship, two people need to do the work. And so I'm grateful that I'm in a relationship where I met someone that is my equal in that way. And, um, and that we both care about breaking patterns and want to bring, um, amazing, beautiful, conscious, healthy love to our baby girl. And so we, we are the example. It starts with us. 
Can we talk about your baby girl? Yes. <laughs> what, what is it like to be a mother? It is bringing a baby into the Diosa hood. So beautiful. Um, it, I mean, birth was incredible. It's an initiation. Um, it's the biggest spiritual initiation, I think. And uh, I think it is the most uh, difficult thing to, mm. to it, I, I really feel like unless you are a parent, it's hard to put into words the level of beauty and pain and exhaustion that exists at the same time. It almost seems like inhumane. You're like, how can you do this? I'm, it's, I'm specifically speaking about like the, the parents that are like full-time, full-on parents like we are. Yeah. Because there's a difference between going back to work, which brings a whole other set of, of heartache. <laughs> so every yeah. parent is like dealing with so much. But um, I'm in the thick of it right now. I'm still, you know, very early in. Um, it's amazing how much you can love someone. Um, and like, she's just so perfect. And every time I look at her, we're like exhausted. And then we like stare at her. We're, we go through the day like <laughs> exhausted. And then we're like staring at her, like psychos. Just at night there, staring and just, at her. And just giving her fat little rose kisses. It's, it's crazy. You're like so tired. You're like, how am I going to make it another day? And then you just see their face and see their smile and you're constantly rewarded. So it's a mixture of a lot of feelings. And um, it is by far the most thing I wanted in this lifetime was to be a mother. Um, I always mothered. Even before I was a mother mm -hmm. um, uh, to a baby, I mothered in many different ways. Mothering is to a child is not the only way to mother. I mother yeah. my community. Um, many, many people call me Diosa Mama, <laughs> you know, so I am that mama anyway, but being a mama to my own baby is its own type of initiation that I'm living through. So I'm excited to, to be in it and, and I'll be able to share more as I go through it. Mm -hmm. I consider it a spiritual you, initiation. How do you balance being, you know, the Diosa Mama and being mama to Mar de Luz? You, there's no balance to it. I think it's just really, um, she's my priority. She's my number one. If right now my baby comes and she's crying, I would stop the interview and breastfeed. Like m she's my number one. Everyone in, uh, you know, does motherhood very differently. I'm mm -hmm. very, uh, into attachment style parenting, very close, fully breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Like that's just where, what we're doing right now. And so, um, for me, that means that it's a whole lot of, uh, not balance and really just diving full on, you know, full on, it, it, especially for the newborn early month phase. My baby's only five months. Um, it's just pouring love constantly and, and giving and giving and giving and, and finding time to take care of yourself whenever you can, but it's never going to look the same. And um, eventually we'll see what that looks like later on. Maybe there will be more balance. Maybe there won't until she goes to school, mm -hmm. who knows? But I think that for me, it's, it's just going to be, finding, finding ways, uh, to, to work and finding ways to be a mom and finding ways to give time to my, my husband and for yourself, it's never going to be perfect. Um, and I think that that's part of the initiation is that you realize that you just find ways to do it. You don't even know how you're just like, I don't know. You just figure it out. I work with a lot of moms too. And I'm like, how the F do they do it? Like we're all just mm -hmm. doing it. You don't know how you just do it. You just make it yeah. happen because you love the things you love and you make it happen. So um, I'm in that too. I'm in that process too. And um, I love what I do and I love being a mom, but she is my number one priority. Mm. So how do you, how do you practice wellness? I know you mentioned many times that you're really tired. 
how do you take care of your mind, your body, um, and just, you know, rituals on a daily basis? What do you do? Well, before motherhood was very different than right now, you know, I could do a whole bunch of other stuff. So right now, you know, wellness is like literally taking a shower, you know, like finding time to take a shower. Like, <laughs> um, uh, it's taking a new form. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I was just joking with my husband, like peeing and not having my baby on top of me is like wellness for a moment. <laughs> Um, any mamas that are listening will be like, oh my God, yes. Um, and recently I started working out. So working out, taking advantage of the beautiful place that I live in, um, taking time you know, to call up a girlfriend and complain, finding time to do a therapy <laughs> session, uh, finding time for my husband and I to have a sacred moment um, after she goes to bed, which is usually just like us stalking her baby camera for like only two hours because she's co-sleeping with us now. So like literally mm-hmm. it's just finding time and, and ap- appreciating those moments that look very different than before. And that's part of life is the feminine doesn't, you know, fit it into a box. You just live with what is and you find ways to ha- make it happen. Um, and it, mm-hmm. it just, it shape shifts into different seasons of your life. So it just depends the season of your life you're in and different seasons are going to be full of more stereotypical wellness routines. And right now, this is the one I have, right? Is just finding those simple moments. Talking to you right now is a moment. Um, so yeah. all of that, I, I just find gratitude in small things. I love that. And I really appreciate you taking the time away from, from the baby to, to chat with us today. Yeah, I know that, um, you know, that's hard to, to take that time. And um, it is, it is. As a mama, I love, I love being there. I was just, you know, telling my husband, I love being there every single second, but it's, it's also okay. She's, she's great. She's good. We have a nanny that's here and (laughs) her papa's right here and, and we're good. So it's my honor to be here too. Thank you. Thank you. So I myself have experienced an incredible awakening this year, past couple months. And I've had many awakenings in my life, but I think most recently I've had a really beautiful awakening. Um, now, sober, living a Congrats. completely sober life. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been a journey an ongoing evolution, but I wanted to ask you if you have ever experienced an awakening, I'm sure you've experienced many, but I guess what, if you want to share one large awakening or, yeah. you know, multiple awakenings in when? Yeah, I'll share two. Um, one was my uh, spiritual awakening with Kundalini energy rising up my spine, started speaking in tongues, did all the whole nine, like the whole thing, um, would touch people and they would start to tremble, like really intense, magical stuff that you're like, what? Is this real? And I was like, (laughs) oh my God, it is real. (laughs) Um, and it really just increased my faith and spirit and energy is Mm -hmm. really what it did. Um, you know, people get so caught up on the word awakenings, awakening, um, can be any kind of thing that, mm-hmm. you know, makes you feel closer to yourself and kind of breaks down the old world that you know it and introduces you to a new world. And so my second one um, is birth. You know, birth was an awakening for mm-hmm. me. And I gave mm-hmm. birth. Um, I was healthy enough to give birth in a home birth. I don't recommend it for everyone, but for me, that was my path. And um, I did a fully natural uh, birth and I did it in my bathroom, standing up like a freaking giraffe. And I absolutely loved it. I was laughing. It was an orgasmic birth. I was ecstatic. You know, I I really loved it. And so it was an awakening. It was an awakening. And and the healing process was just 
grueling compared to the birthing process for me. <laughs> Everyone has a different experience, but mine was just mm-hmm. more rough because it was so quick and, and really easy. I think easy compared to most people's stories. And um, the healing was much harder. And just, it was an awakening of getting to know a different woman on the other side. And mm-hmm. I'm still getting to know her one day at a time. And so um, I think that, you know, my sobriety was one. So like, there's so many, but I think that um, for anyone that is listening to this, you know, I think that the main thing to look at is where, where are moments that your life has turned upside down and you've been initiated to becoming someone new, right? And getting to know yourself through that. I mean, that, that for me is just so, so powerful. It's just getting to know the new self and living closer to the woman you want to be or the person that you want to be. Every spiritual awakening that I've done or that I've gone through rather has just brought me closer to being who I'm meant to be. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yes. As you said, I think we all go through many awakenings and it's just important to, to listen, right? When the universe calls, we listen. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to listen sometimes because there's so much going on. I know I, I've suffered from anxiety and sometimes the brain can get so talkative, <laughs> so full. So I think that's when practices come into play. Um, as you said, figuring out, a way to, figuring out a way to come back home to yourself, figuring out a way to really silence, be still. Because um, the universe oh, yeah. will call. And that's often a time when if you sit still and if you listen, you know, it might be on the cusp of an awakening, might be your moment, um, might be a, a time to spread your wings. That's right. That's right. And that's why having support is so important because anxiety is real and mental health is real. And, and having yeah. support will help you to be grounded as you go through those changes because they can be very intense. So it's important to have trained people by your side as you go through transitions. Mm-hmm. So when is your next retreat? My next retreat is uh, <laughs> uh, in 2023 because <laughs> the 2022 one is sold yeah. out already um, oh, wow. in Puerto Rico. But um, I'm working on another one um, that's not even out yet. But if you're interested and you're listening to this, um, you can message me on Instagram, Cosmic Christine. And it's going to be called uh, Mothering the Heart with my soul mm-hmm. sister, Beatriz Boning. And it's going to be um, in October of 2022. And then the next one after that is July 2023, which is my annual Biosa retreat. But um, all the information will soon be on my website for the, for the new one, christineg.tv. And if not, you can just message me because the, the one that I mentioned um, is not even up yet. Save me a spot, please. Yes. <laughs> but yes, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me on the podcast and taking time away from the baby and just a, a moment to have this beautiful Platica del Alma and soul chat with me. I really, really appreciate the time. And I love just hearing these wisdom and your insights, such a, such a beautiful person and truly a gift to the planet. I just love the work that you're doing. So, so important. So, so powerful. So congratulations on everything that you're doing. Thank you. It's truly, truly important. Thank you for the time, um, for getting to chat and for letting me share. This is really what I, I love to do. And, um, and we need more people sharing our hearts in the world right now. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. Um, thank you, Mama. And yeah, let's uh, 
everyone check out Christine on Christine. Your website is Christine G.TV. Christine G.TV. Slide into her DMs. Yes. Um, thanks so much for tuning in, hanging out with, with me and Christine. And um, goodbye for now. I'm Christina Ray, and you've been listening to the Power for Good podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next week for another powerful conversation. Share a story of how you are using your power for good by sending me a DM on my Instagram, at Christina Ray Almeida. I'll be sharing your stories at the end of every episode weekly. If you're interested in learning more on how we can work together, Head to my website, IamChristinaRay.com, and let's connect. Sending you so much love. And remember, you are powerful.